It's time for episode 322 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 27th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that just pardoned 12 turkeys. Gobble, gobble, I am one of your co-hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my co-host, the one and only, well, I don't know if that's true, but certainly the coolest, Dan Morin. <laughs> okay, thank you. I, I will take the coolest. Uh, there is a Dan <laughs> Morin somewhere who is a DEA agent, so he might be cooler than me. That's pretty cool. Oh, that but is kind of cool. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I am happy to report uh, that we are joined by two incredible guests. And to my left is the tech analyst who I love to follow uh, for all of her thoughts, especially on Twitter, as well as uh, the Heart of Tech founder. It is Carolina Milanese. Hello. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. Oh, so happy to have you here with us. Very exciting. And to my left, a returning guest, the design lead at Shopify and the co-host of the Layout Podcast, it's Kevin Clark. Welcome back, Kevin. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. We're glad to have you back. And I am glad to kick things off because, as you know, we've got four topics, 30 minutes, and here's mine. The California DMV, uh, turns out they're making bank by selling personal data. Uh, this was a story that kind of uh, showed that you know, the DMV has all this information and to supplement their uh, income, they are selling the some of that data. And I kind of just want to know, were you surprised to hear that this was going on? Or is it just expected at this point? And it kind of uh, just blew past you. And then what are the implications of that? Carolina, we'll start with you. I was surprised, but I think I was more surprised that I was surprised. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, because, um, so being a foreigner, so I, you know, I, I'm Italian, I lived in the UK. Um, the, the DMV was my, one of my first experiences in California <laughs> oh, so when hard. I moved here. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going through, after what eighteen years or so of driving, um, you know, retaking my test and 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 just going through the system is actually um, I don't know it's an experience that everybody's going to have to endure because you're going to learn to be kind to people. Um, <laughs> but you know, the surprise is that the part of a surprise for me was we give so much grief to um, private companies and especially um, you know lately. Uh, Facebook, social media in general, we are very uh, good at, at scrutinizing, as we should, you know, what people do with our data, uh, how they use it, who they sell it to, and so forth. But for some reason, here we are with, you, you know, a, a, a public entity, and that is um, doing all of that, and um, uh, actually not being even ashamed that they're doing it. And I don't know how much people are going to question it. 
Um, you know, it's not like we don't pay them already for, for the service that they offer, right? Um, so why do they need to do that? And where, you know, where is the lever as far as uh, where is uh, government have to step in if they need more funds or if this is just the way things are? Um, I don't know how much people are actually questioning. And that's wrong, of course, I think. Um, I, I think that it is, I agree with Carolina that the <laughs> being surprised is surprising. Um, because in this day and age, it seems like personal information basically leaks like a sieve from every place. Honestly, you know, while this information may not be as sensitive as, say, health information, I think that the, you know, healthcare industry seems like a good pattern to base it on in terms of like, you should have the ability to sort of sign off on your information being shared, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing if right. a insurance company or another, um, you know, private company is like, look, we need access to your driving information so that we can verify X, Y, Z, or so that we can look at this information and make a determination from sort of a public, uh, you know, from a standpoint of our business decision. Um, that's fine. But again, you should be notified at the very least. And in most cases, you should certainly have an opportunity to, you know, uh, deny that information if it is not really needed. And in a lot of those cases, I, I don't think it is. Um, so it is a little surprising The certainly the public agencies and the government should be held to as high a standard as corporations, if not higher, uh, because the information they have about us is often more sensitive. So uh, it, this seems... This seems kind of sketchy. It seems like they should not be doing this and uh, somebody should be having oversight of this. And I feel like if this were happening in my state, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> if it is, then I feel like maybe I should be a lot angrier and I should know about it. Yeah, that's my biggest problem with it. Like, I feel like, you know, your weather app is selling your data. It sucks, but you can always find another weather app. But there's not really an alternative to the DMV. Like, right. Go to a, com a competitor. And I think to me, like, that's where the problem is here, is that there's literally no alternative. So, yeah, this is very unfortunate, uh, but not surprising. So I'm, I'm on board with, with everybody here. I think, uh, the biggest issue is the fact that, um, for, for me, the biggest issue is the fact that you have a state that right now is coming forth with what is it the California Protection uh Privacy Act or something like that Privacy Protection Act that's it and <laughs> at the same time a uh state government entity is doing this this thing that's essentially stealing people's um that's that's taking people's information that as uh, Kevin has pointed out you are sort of required to give you you've got to hand this stuff over as part of the application process and so yeah it doesn't i i, I get it if it's uh domino's pizza um because i have the choice to not use that uh pizza place but for this you know i've got to go and get my license in order to be all good in the state and that is what makes this an issue for me uh so yeah thank you all for your answers on that let's move on to our next topic which comes from carolina well, this week, uh, because I don't think we have enough way to collaborate in an enterprise environment, I was eager to read an article about Loom, who um, is a company that has actually uh, been launching operative since 2016. Uh, it is a video message company for an enterprise environment. The co-founder... Um, 
is uh, um, coming from Instagram. They have management coming from Dropbox and Slack, and they think that visual communication is the way forward. And so if you're tired of typing in Slack, here you go. You can record a message and send it to your coworkers uh, for greater impact. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, 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 I looked at sort of the demos of this and I was like, I cannot... I feel like I can't think of anything more frustrating than somebody being like, let me shoot you a video as the answer. And then I have to sit there and wait through the video to get to the point. Like, I, I maybe this is, again, maybe I am an old fogey here. Uh, I feel like text works pretty well. Uh, and I, I just don't, it seems like a lot of overhead. Um, if it's something that can really be accomplished via face-to-face, -face, you know, sort of situation, you might as well have a video Skype chat or FaceTime or something like that. But a one-way video message seems to me to be uh, just not a fantastic way to communicate things because it doesn't really allow the same degree of interactivity and you're kind of doing this very asymmetric uh, conversation. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. And I'm not really optimistic that this will go anywhere. I think this is an attempt to, to sort of co capitalize on the success of things like uh, Snapchat <laughs> and try to integrate that into business. And I don't think that's necessarily a good fit. Also, I'm very disappointed that though you can speed it up to like one and a half or two times as much, there's no option to slow it down to half speed, which would actually just make me enjoy it so much more. Ah, oh, my boss is drunk at work again. This is great. Yeah, I think their messaging is maybe a little bit misleading, kind of placing it as sort of a replacement for Slack and stuff like that. Uh, but for me, I maybe have a slightly different opinion than, than both of you do on this. Um, because I think this can actually be super useful in a context where, um, say, you're in a, a company with offices all around the world, and you have to collaborate with people that are like in totally different time zones. Like, I don't know if you're collaborating with people in in India and stuff like that. Like, there are always times when you want to explain something, and it's so much easier to explain it. Kind of like if you were in the same office, you just like walk over to their desk and have a conversation about it. But in this case, it's like you might not even be able to have like a Skype conversation at the same time. So like, I feel like in some cases like this, in sort of like this remote working, remote collaboration with people, I think this could be useful. Now, are we going to, you know, get rid of email, get rid of Slack, get rid of all of these things? Probably not. Uh, I think it's maybe more of an addition. Uh, so it's, it's not setting the world on fire, but I think there could be a use for it. I like the idea of any sort of uh, other than just text getting messages across, especially because time and time again, I be it friends or, or family, I hear uh, somebody talking about a message that they received from a friend or from from a, a coworker or what have you, and they add their own sort of spin on the way that the message is delivered and it's just text. And so you can take text and you can read text in many different ways and give it any sort of meaning that you want to. Sometimes it's important to be able to get across uh, the communication that you need to get across in a way that successfully gets your point and your the emotions behind the point across. Um, so I think in terms of sort of office politics and things like that, this is a great idea. But also the fact that they are really focusing on like screencasting and showing people how to to get things done. So pluses and minuses there. Carolina, any last thoughts on that? 
I totally get the emotional part, the, you know, convey your emotion. I'm Italian. I, you know, if I can show my hands and my <laughs> voice at the same time, it is a winner. Um, but, uh, I don't know that we necessarily need something that is standalone versus, you know, s- some of the features, some of the, um, services that we already using, thinking about a similar feature. Just because, God, we have so many channels already that you need to remember who, you know, you're talking to where all the time that this just adds complication. I love the the point that Kevin made about a different time zone. As a sucker, I always got up or stayed up late mm-hmm. uh, for those kind of calls. Um, but this is actually, uh, that's a very interesting idea. And screencasting too. I just wish that somebody would just integrate it. Maybe that's what your, their strategy is, right? Is uh, to get it off the ground. They, they raised, uh, well, 30 million in round B and then just get, get bought and uh, and integrated maybe by somebody like Zoom. Uh, well, folks, we have reached halftime, which means it's time to tell you about Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Now, Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, including moi, and they're all looked after by their incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any problems, you just drop them an email, give them a call, or just chat over IRC in the Linode community, if that's easier. Whatever suits you best. And guess what? They have awesome, useful guides and support documentation. So if you just need to, you know, quickly look something up and see uh, how to how to solve a problem, then you can do that as well. Their new management panel is now in beta at cloud.linode.com. And of course, this new management console is a single page application built using the cutting edge React JS stack and backed entirely by Linode's public API. Plus, it's open source. And they've got two-factor authentication, which keeps you and all your data safe and secure. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Plans start at a gig of RAM for just 5 bucks a month, and they've got high memory plans with 16 gigs of RAM. Linode has a special offer just for you out there as a listener of this very show. All you have to do is go to linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code clockwise2019 at checkout to get $20 towards any Linode plan. Now, if we do the math on that, that's uh, well, see, the gig of RAM plan. That's four free months of service. That's awesome. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you got nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. Go to linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code clockwise2019 to learn more, to sign up, and to make the most of that $20 credit. Thanks so much to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Dan, what have you got for us? So it's Thanksgiving week here in the U.S., which means, of course, deals, deals, deals. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to know, what is your deals strategy or approach Do you sort of pick out certain items and you look for deals specifically on those? Do you browse certain sites or do you forego deals entirely because of rampant consumerism? Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of a bad person to start with on this question because I'm I'm really not a deals person (laughs) personally. Um, So I'm not, I don't have any big strategy. One thing I would say though, is that, you know, we often associate like all these deals with Amazon and stuff like that. Uh, and I think that's fine, you know, for, for buying all sorts of stuff. Uh, but one website that I would recommend is called cpgd.xyz. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, 
It's uh, basically what it is. It's a repository of like cool and interesting direct-to-consumer brands. So if you want to buy from brands that like directly, uh, all of them have like great design. Like they're really interesting products. Um, you can check them out. Like I'm sure all of them will have uh, will have good deals for uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So it's a it's a cool like, alternative. I always look for smart home stuff um, because you do get some good discounts on smart home stuff. Um, but the software deals this year have been ridiculous. Uh, for 24 hours, I, I believe it might be over now or close to over. Uh, but for 24 hours, the uh, Pixelmator team was offering Pixelmator Photo for completely free, which is just ridiculous. Um, it is a fantastic app. And then they also, I think, were offering their desktop application for 50% off or something like that. So I recommend just heading into the App Store or checking Twitter if you are there for all sorts of excellent uh, Black Friday deals. But um, I don't really... I don't really go to any specific sites or get super into Black Friday or even go out in person. Although I know some of uh, my family members always enjoy the Friday rush that is Black Friday. Actually, the Thursday night rush that leads into the Friday rush that is Black Friday. Uh, Carolina, what about you? I definitely don't go to the stores anymore. I used to. It was, uh, I don't know if it's with a DMV, one of those uh, <laughs> rituals that you learn as you come to the US. Um, and it was kind of exciting. And then, you know, I think it's ridiculous that you have to spend two hours trying to find a parking spot uh, before you even get to the store. <laughs> so yeah, um, not doing that. I do spend some time online. Um, December is busy for us because of Christmas and uh, um, uh, my my daughter has her birthday. And so I look for anything that, um, apart from the corgi that she wants this year, because uh, I won't <laughs> find that on sale. Um, you know, anything that she might want uh, for, for her birthday in this year was actually a phone. Um, but I do actually like, uh, Mika spend time on, uh, um, the app store uh, across the board, uh, and looking at any deals. Um, my, my kid is a gamer. So anything around gems or anything that gives you Fortnite skins or anything like that, where, uh, she actually finds it for me because, uh, it's coming out of her pocket money. So she has become a very good bargain hunter, uh, on that side of things. Um, but that's pretty much it is uh, specific, you know, devices. And then obviously I spend a lot of time just looking around from a research purpose. Uh, at least that's what I say to my husband. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Yeah. My, my wife also would take the Corgi if that were on offer, but <laughs> um, so I, for me personally, uh, I've dialed back a lot. I think the one thing I tend to do is the wire cutter has its deals page and I just sort of skim through that. Uh, every once in a while to see if there's anything that I've really been looking for that's on sale. And occasionally I'll try to track things down. Currently I need to like renew my office 365 subscription. And last year I got a really good deal on it. So I'm kind of keeping my eyes out to see if there's another good deal on that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't dive in as much as I used to. I think in general with many of these things, I've realized that most of the stuff that I end up buying on black Friday is 
stuff I don't need. So why buy it in the first place? Um, every once in a while, I'll stumble across like a good gift for somebody, um, and that's great. But for me, I, I've definitely dialed back a lot. And I, I, the wire cutter, I trust them enough to know that if they've got like a, something listed as a good deal, then it is a good deal, but it still may be a good deal that I don't need. But thanks for all your thoughts on that. Let us go to our final topic, which comes from Kevin. Cool. Have you all heard of sharenting? No? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I hadn't e- either, but um, according to the New York Times, this is a term that describes parents who overshare photos and other data about their children on social media. So my question is, do you think this is an issue? And are you worried about the impact of having sort of like the entirety of your life be documented on social media, like even before you can actually make the decision for yourself of what you want to post? It is something that I think at first maybe we don't consider and are having to start to consider going forward. Um, I so, so I guess to, to answer the question about whether I'm worried about that impact, I absolutely am. Um, I think about some of my friends who have children and who... Uh, do post their kids online and what that's going to mean for the future and, you know, what, what kind of impact that will have. But I don't know what that impact is yet. And so I don't kind of know where to put my energies when, when in, in relation to this. It's like, how, how much should I care about this? And, uh, so ultimately I'm just sort of staying aware of it and, I know that if, uh, you know, speaking personally, if I was ever in the situation of posting my non-canine uh, children, aka human <laughs> human children, I would think uh, very carefully about uh, how I would do that and with whom I would share uh, those photos and, and things like that. So, yeah, uh, I'm curious, Carolina, as a parent, what you think? Yeah, a parent and a parent that has, you know, a, a kind of a unique job. And, um, uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit in, in the public domain and, um, I struggle with this quite, quite a bit. And it, for me at the beginning, it was living away from f- family and friends. And so Facebook was that piece of a way to keep in touch and especially for my mom a way to see her only grandchild grow. Um, so the, the benefit of that for me outweighed kind of a downside. I'm always very careful about what pictures I post in terms of, um, you know, background. And, and I try my hardest when it's a public post not to share, um, my daughter's name, but then of course there are people who follow me who know her name, and so they will use yeah. their her name in in the post. And and you, what can you do? Um, but what was interesting was that um, I think it's been like about two and a bit years now. So she's eleven, turning twelve next month. Um, I started asking permission before I post something. Um, so she vets anything that I post as a picture or comments that I post, um, which means that when I reach my 10,000 followers on Twitter, I had to give her credit because she thinks that the humor that she brings to my account is why I got to 10K. <laughs> Um, but I think that's what it is. And, and, uh, for me now that, you know, she's at the age where she understands more and having just got a phone is more about teaching her the consequences of putting too much out there 
and what she puts out, you know, how what she puts out reflect on her. And so being true to who she is um, and then how to handle herself in that world. So that to me is becoming now more of a priority and kind of a teaching moment, if you like. And and I don't want to do what I normally do, which is um, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Get off the screen. But mom, you've been <laughs> up for seven and a half hours, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. There's a line to walk. I mean, I, I don't have any kids yet, but like I've gone through a little bit of this with my wife because for similar reasons that Carolina was saying, like, I, you know, I check with her when I am going to post a photo that she is in or, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll jot down like a conversation that we had that we, that is pretty funny. And I'll just like, just make sure that you're cool with me posting that. And the answer is pretty much always yes. But like the point is to ask, like, and right. you know, that doesn't always work with kids, right? Because like you were just saying, uh, as of a certain age, they don't really get the idea. So like, they're not equipped to make a decision uh, for a while necessarily about what they do or do not want posted. But it's worth always thinking through when you're posting things, whether or not there's, you know, uh, something that could blow back on that. And that's it's just something to be careful about. It's something, as I think Micah said, like there are new challenges that we have to deal with in this connected age. At the same time, I, I also certainly, you know, get the idea of like sharing stuff with other people who might be far away. And, you know, when your kid is a part of your life, you want to share that with people uh, and you want to post pictures and stuff like that. I don't think you should totally lock it down, but, you know, you definitely need to think about how it will play and what the implications of it could be. So there, there's a line to walk there. And I, I don't think that necessarily there's a one approach that fits every case. Um, but, you know, the the only sort of blanket advice I could I could think is to say, just like, think, think through the consequences before you post these things. Kevin, any last thoughts to wrap us up here? Yeah, I mean, I think I love the idea of kind of asking your children when they're at the age where they can sort of give that that consent before posting. Um, am I worried about the impact of having your life documented on social media? Yes, but I also feel like we've talked about the DMV story that it's like, it's <laughs> re we're really fighting an uphill battle here. Like, even if you don't share your personal information, someone else will. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think this is something we have to worry about regardless of whether or not we're posting on social media. Well, uh, folks, we have just enough time for a bonus topic but before we get there, I want to tell you all about Kensington. Uh, Kensington are the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop computer. It's plug and play with no drivers to worry about. So you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and Display Link video connectors, plus USB 3, USB C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery options. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control. So all of their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker, if you're looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, just check Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. You head to kensington.com slash clockwise right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash clockwise to learn more. Thanks so much to Kensington for their support of this show. And of course, of Relay FM. You know, there's it's always nice to at the end of the year reflect on things that we're thankful for. So, I would just love it if you could tell us something you're thankful for. Carolina, we'll start with you. I'm thankful for kind people. 
And uh, uh, from a work uh, perspective, I'm actually thankful for organizations that don't just use diversity as a report at the end of the year or a way to do good marketing, but actually believe the strength that diversity brings to their company and their business. Preach. Love it. Yeah. Um, well, I got married in July, so I feel like there is no other right answer than to say that I am thankful for my wife, uh, who is a wonderful, loving person and puts up with me a lot. And she doesn't even listen to this podcast, so she won't even know I said this. <laughs> uh, I am thankful for Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yes, like this was yes, so unexpected, and I... And I didn't know I needed this in so much in my life, and now I'm so glad I have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am thankful for for folks with with open hearts and open minds, um, which I've had the pleasure of of like becoming friends with with many of these people uh, through podcasts uh, and and online <laughs> goings about including uh, all of you fine folks here who make the job that I know Dan and I do and that that I do day to day all the more fun, all the more interesting, and all the more rewarding. And I'm also thankful for all of our listeners out there who are listening to this episode of Clockwise, but we have reached the end of the episode, which means it's time to say goodbye for now to you, my friends. Carolina, Milanese, thank you so, so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And Kevin Clark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun as always. And I feel like we need to have a big group hug with all of our panelists and listeners. Ah, we're there. (laughs) Uh, We will be back next week. But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.